0: Y'all doing all right this morning? Awesome, awesome. I was going to say it, but he beat me to it. Well, I'm always super, super excited to um, have the opportunity to preach. And uh, when I do, I I never get nervous until I'm sitting right there. And then I get up here and it kind of all goes away. But um, I'm really excited to just preach the word to you guys this morning. But before we do anything, can we just pray? Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity just to, God, receive from you this morning. God, I pray that it would not just be my words, God, that are written down on paper, but God, that it would be you breathing through me. God, that you would speak your words to us. God, I pray for people that are in here that are skeptical. God, for people that are in here, God, that um, maybe they're far from you, or God, maybe they're just stagnant or stale in their relationship with you this morning. God, I pray that you would penetrate their hearts, God, that you would speak to them like only you could. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 25, and we're going to camp out in verse 25 all the way through 35. I'm not using any other scripture. And what I want to do is I want to set something up for you guys. I'm going to read through this passage, and then I'm going to kind of take a... um, Just a little, kind of veer off a little bit and set something up for you. So I will come back to the text after I read it. But here, um, picking it up, John 6, verse 25. And it says this. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the son of man will give to you for on him god the father has set his seal then they said to him what must we do be doing to, to be doing the works of god and jesus answered them this is the work of god that you believe in him who has he has sent so they said to him then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you what work do you perform Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread for heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, let me give you a little backstory about what's actually going on here. In this passage, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 with three loaves and two fish. So, you have all these people who are stunned and amazed. And Jesus, right after this miracle takes place, he tries to get away from the people. They're trying to follow him. So, he gets in a boat and he hops across the sea and he says, I, I got to go be with my father. I got to get away. So, here's what happens the people are filled with bread. Because Jesus gives them something to eat, and they say, hey, if we can follow this guy for the rest of our lives, then maybe we won't have to work for food anymore. So they're after Jesus for something that they can get from him rather than who he is. So keep that in mind. Now, I want to take a little swerve, and I want to define a word for you guys this morning. And um, it's what philosophers would call hyper-reality. And simply put, it's just false reality. Um, false reality is basically, let's just say, social media. Okay? Hyper reality is social media. It's a life portrayed that is somewhat exciting, that is somewhat very adventurous, but it's not real. That's hyper reality. Hyper reality is a world that is presented to our senses through stories, symbols, and pictures, and those things are presented to us are actually more attractive than real life. You ever scroll through somebody's page or you get on the internet and you look at something and it just seems really exciting, but you know that it's really not real life because it's just somebody's edited digital life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, let me give you an example of hyperreality. Maybe you walk into, any, anybody ever walk into just a bookstore, maybe Barnes and Noble or something, um, and when you walk into Barnes and Noble, they have this thing called a magazine rack, and on the magazine rack is all of these like beautifully perfected, sculpted people. You ever notice that? They, like, nobody is on a magazine front cover with like a blemish or a zit, right? They don't, they don't put anybody on that magazine. Now here's what you don't know about the people that are actually on that magazine. And I used to work in this world and I used to be the guy that would actually edit those faces. Um, but here's what you don't know. is for that model to ever be on that magazine, there was a photographer who bought a $20,000 lens and he put it on his camera. And then after that, he went into the studio with like the greatest lighting in the world that would, in a way, take away any blemishes or any oily faces or anything like that. Then after he snaps the picture, they have, well before he snaps the picture, they have a makeup artist that comes in and, and gets that girl or that person perfectly sculpted. And after they snap the picture, they bring it into a computer, and once it goes into the computer, the photographer begins to clean it up even more. He begins to add some curves where maybe they need curves, or he begins to take away some curves where they don't really need curves. And then you get the cover on the magazine after it's gone through this entire process. And this is what you have. You have culture that looks at this magazine and says, this should be the standard of beauty. But what they see is false. It's hyperreality. It's, it's an image that looks real, but it's not. Do you see where I'm going? It's something that says to your senses or in your mind that says, if I could just look like this, then I'd be good, right? Or if I could just look like this woman or this person, then everything in my life would just be well. But what you see is not real. And the bad thing about that is many women in our culture live under that tyranny, right? They, They try to measure up to an image that really isn't real. And, and many husbands even hold their wives to that and say, you should look like this, because this is what real women should look like, right? Let me give you another example. Um, anybody growing up watch the Cosby show? Anybody in here? Um, I'll just, let me throw it out there. The Cosby show is a perfect example of hyper-reality. Of a false reality. And, and many of you grew up saying, man, that is just like the perfect family. Right? When I have a family, I want it to be exactly like the Cosby's. Now, I kind of watched it in order to prepare for this, and I noticed a few things. Um, The dad, Mr. Cosby, was a doctor, okay? You remember this? The mom was a lawyer. Now, here's something that does not make sense at all. You have two um, extremely demanding professions, and in the show, they're always home. (laughs) They're never at work. They're like, they're always home. They hold down these these busy jobs, but yet they're always home. And I don't know if you ever realize this in the show also. um, The kids, like, never defy the parents, ever. Um, The episodes usually end with mom and dad in bed, giggling and hugging and laughing and kissing each other and then going to bed, right? Now, we know that in reality, you may go to bed at night and it's not hugging and giggling and kissing, Right? It's, you better stay on your end and I'm going to stay on my end. Right? So, so here's what happens is you see this TV show or you see this movie and then maybe you're a young guy or a young woman and you get married and you have this idea of what marriage should be like. You have this idea that, that media and culture has sold to you of what love or, or what reality should really look like and then you get married and, and here's what happens. You have kids and they defy you. You get married, and it's not going to bed hugging and kissing. Our life is not what we're being sold. You're presented this vision of a family life that you think should be the ideal, but in reality, it's impossible to experience. Let me give you another example. Any little girls in here grew up watching Disney movies? Anybody like grew up watching Disney movies? What is the one thing that Disney was so good at at the end of these love stories? And they lived what? Come, come on, give it to me. And they lived what? So, so maybe, maybe you're a little girl in here and, and you grow up and you think that you're supposed to live happily ever after. And there's this prince charming that's supposed to come in and sweep you off your feet, right? And in these Disney movies, I don't know if you realize this, but there's never any hint of marital conflict. There's never any hint of a messy house. Um, difficult kids or bills or medical emergencies or seasons of suffering and even despair. It's just And they lived happily ever after. So hyperreality is a life where the exaggerated gets portrayed as the normative. You think that this is what life is supposed to be like. Everywhere you look, you see hyper-reality. Everywhere you look. A mirage of life that inflates our expectations about what life is supposed to be like. How we're supposed to look. um, The kind of relationships that we're supposed to have. uh, The kind of money that we should make, or even the sexual experiences that we should be enjoying. The toys and the gadgets that we're supposed to own all the exhilarating things that we're supposed to be constantly experiencing if we're going to have a life that is supposed to be full, right? And here's what I want to get at today. I wonder how many of you in here have bought into hyperreality. I wonder how many of you in here are basing your life around something that you're striving towards that is not attainable, This mirage of life that you're constantly striving after, and when it seems like you're almost there, it gets further and further away. Maybe you've bought into a hyper-real version of a marriage, because it's supposed to be happily ever after, right? Right? Or maybe you've bought into um, a hyper-real version of a Christian life where you're sold a bill of goods, often by guys on TV that tell you that the Christian life is all about health, wealth, and prosperity, but they fail to mention that you're going to suffer and there's going to be despair and there's going to be kids that defy you and you're going to go through hard times. And so right now, maybe you're discouraged in your faith because you think that once you surrender and submit your life to Jesus that it's supposed to be completely easy. Right? Where have you bought into hyper-reality? Where have you bought into this false reality of life? Here's the problem with hyper-reality. It creates an, a, an intense discontentment in our lives. It creates a disdain for the ordinary, for, for the mundane, or even the everyday routine. Maybe you're a single mom in here, or maybe you're a mom that stays home with the kids, and you begin to despise your life because It's mundane. It's the same routine every day over and over and over again. It's responsibility. And you begin to scroll on Facebook or the media is trying to sell you that saying this this life it has much more than just raising kids. Right? Go go have some fun. It creates creates this craving inside for the extraordinary, the exotic, the cool. You no longer want the wife you have because so-and-so is more attractive. You no longer want the car that you have because somebody down the street just got a bigger one than you did. You no longer want the house or the job you have because somebody else, if you compare that to them, they have something better than you do. And so you end up living this life. Once you finally get something that you thought was going to make you happy, they have somebody that that outdoes you. And then you're discontent again. So you continue to work and strive to get something bigger. And then once you get it again, it's like this vicious cycle over and over. We get discontent with the things that are in our lives because the hyper-real version of life is so much greater and grander and more glamorous than the one we're experiencing right now. Isn't that often true? So discontentment settles in. We end up comparing our everyday, normal, routine lives that are marked by commitment, responsibility, and the kinds of things that every generation has and we compare it to the false reality. So we live our lives inflated by this version of life sold to us by TVs, movies, celebrities, advertisement, entertainment. And all this does it's created discontentment in our life that says our life must be boring, it must be bland, it must be ordinary, it must be simple, it's every day. Discontentment settles in and we start to wonder, am I really getting everything out of life that I should be? Because what happens is we're comparing our lives to the edited, digital lives of people and culture we say there are lives, they don't look as exciting as so-and-so. Hyper-reality is ultimately, I will be happy when fill-in-the-blank. I will be happy when such-and-such such happens. And, and the crazy thing is, is that fill-in-the-blank is like always there. It's just always there. It never ends. Because then you get that fill-in-the-blank, and then you got another one that comes. So I'll be happy when, fill in the blank. I'll be happy when my husband can just get the right job. I'll I'll be happy when my kids can just understand this. I'll be happy when I can just move out of this small crummy town. I'll be happy when. And the principle of postponing happiness is the same for everyone who operates in this hyper real world. No matter how comfortable our lives become, we will always be looking for something better always and what happens is culture becomes the ultimate addiction the downward spiral always needing a bigger hit to satisfy the growing cravings and actually we become less free in the process so we think that when we get such and such that it'll bring us this freedom and this and this joy that we're hoping to experience and and yet we turn around and we're in more bondage So I'm sure some of you are here this morning that would say, that's me, I I live in that world. I live in that hyper real world. I'm constantly discontent. I'm constantly comparing my life to everyone else's marriage, everybody else's bank account, everybody else's house. And you just live in this continual state of comparison creating this discontentment. Instead of dealing with the hard issue that is going on right here, we handle it by shopping. You know, you ever, do you notice that about Americans? Instead of actually thinking inwardly and, and sitting down and saying, God, what's going on in my heart? We just busy ourselves with things so we don't have to think about what's going on in our heart. Like, you, you know you're messed up, but you'd rather not think about it, so you'd rather go buy stuff to take your mind off of it. Right, Because when you go buy stuff, it kind of takes your mind off of that that emptiness or that dissatisfaction that you feel. And that whatever you bought kind of gives you that that false joy for a while. And then all of a sudden, the newness of that thing is over, so you you go shop again. And here's the bad thing with that. We falsely believe that we can actually purchase our happiness. We, we, We falsely believe that we can purchase our joy with material things so so to feel good about ourselves to feel like you're visible or to feel like you're valuable you need to have the right look you need to have the right clothes you need to drive the right car you need to live in the right house you got to have the perfect marriage the perfect kids hyperreality is the lure to happiness with the bitter sting of discontentment over and over again over and over again. Think of it this way. I live in Louisiana. Many of you guys like to fish. Think of it as somebody dropping a hook in the water that has some bait on it, and you're the fish. And for that moment, that bait looks really enticing. Man, that, that food is just right there. I don't have to work for it. I can just jump on it. I can just eat it. And then you bite the hook, and you get reeled in, and you realize the boat wasn't what you thought it would be. And you get thrown in the ice chest with a bunch of dead fish. That's hyper-reality. Culture and entertainment and media and all of that stuff, it looks enticing. But the moment that you bite onto it, it's not the joy that you thought that it would bring. Now, I know this. Many of you are probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with John 6? (laughs) Everything. 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 John 6 is very relevant to this cultural environment we find ourselves in. Because in this passage, Jesus addresses our consumerism. He invites us out of hyperreality and into God's reality. So in John 6 is what happened. Jesus performs this miracle where he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And the people, they like that. They like the fact that he fed them. He filled their bellies. They come to him looking for him to feed them. We pick it up in John 6:26. And it says this. This is Jesus talking to them. It says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves." This is big this morning. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. So here's what Jesus is saying He's saying, You're not following me because you're convinced of who I am. You're following me because you want me to fill your bellies. You're coming to me because what I can give you. You're coming to me because you have this consumeristic mentality and you're hoping that Jesus can scratch your itch. That's why you're coming. He says, you want more food, you want more bread, and you want your bellies to be filled again. You're consumers. And Jesus exposes their consumerism in in John 6, 27. He says this, Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. You see, the people had all these expectations about the Messiah. They're like, he's going to be the one that's going to rescue us from Rome. He's going to build up this army and crush everybody, and we're going to be the superpower. And he was going to do that, but just not in their timing. They had these expectations on Jesus. And Jesus addresses their consumerism, and he says, one key line, do not work for food that perishes. Do not work for food that perishes Do not spend your energy or your resources pursuing experiences that have a shelf life and cannot sustain your joy. See, oftentimes we find ourselves working and striving towards things that have a shelf life. They expire. They're not sustaining. They don't they don't it's not a joy that lasts. And Jesus is saying, don't expend your life pursuing and hoping in these experiences, hoping that they'll satisfy you. We know they won't. We know that it's food that perishes. We know all the things that this hyper-real world promises us are food that perishes. Let's just be honest. The novel gets old, right? Today's fashion is just tomorrow's goodwill drop-off. (laughs) And do you realize... All the shopping that you do and all the energy that you expend to have the clothes that you think are going to make you feel worthy are going to be in the trash. You realize that? Do, do you realize the game that we continually play, the things that we think that are going to make us happy will one day perish, that they don't last. You can't bring them with you. That's food that perishes. The trip ends, the vacation is over, and all you have is pictures and credit card debt. That's it. Now, here's what I'm not saying that those things are bad, but what I am saying is if you put your hope in that to find joy in that to make you happy, that's food that perishes. See, a joy that's deep, meaningful, lasting, and eternal is a bread that gives life for all of eternity. Jesus says that that bread is me. In this passage, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the life that lasts. Pursue me and I'll give you everlasting joy. Jesus is the full life, the meaningful life, the abundant life, the fulfilled life, and the eternal life. Jesus says it's not found in anything that hyperreality is selling you. Now, here's the contrast that is set up before you this morning. We've got two things. Hyperreality says if you want to have life, you've got to exert your energy and deplete your resources. You have to go broke in an attempt to find the life that consumerism promises you. That's hyperreality. Here's what Jesus says. He says, no, I am the bread of life. They will be given to you. You don't have to deplete your resources. You don't have to exert your energy. You don't have to go broke to have this bread. He says, I'll exert my energy. I'll deplete my resources. You don't have to go broke for this. Ultimately, this bread was broken for you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to labor over it. You just have to receive it and trust That he's good. So, consumerism says work. Expend your resources. Go broke in doing it and finding a life that can bring you fulfillment. But Jesus says, I've already done it. You see, consumerism says you've got to find life at cost to yourself. You've got to find life at cost to yourself. But Jesus says, I'll give you life at cost to myself. I'll be broken so that you can be made whole. I'll be cast out so that you may be brought in. I'll be condemned so that you can be forgiven. I'll be rejected so that you can be accepted. That is the generosity of this great God that we serve. Here's the main problem with hyperreality and culture. It's all surface. There's just an unbearable lightness to it. It's all about image. It's all about surface, and it distracts us from the deeper and weightier things of life. Consumerism is, it's literally an attempt to get you off of the weightier and deeper things in life that really matter, That's all it is. Hyperreality never touches on the deep, weighty, and meaningful things in life. Hyperreality doesn't think about God, sin, or damnation. Right? Because you can get so far into this life that you think is going to bring you satisfaction without ever thinking about the eternal consequences Do you realize that everything that you work for is going to pass away? The stuff that you lose sleep over of needing a a better you fill in the blank is going to pass away and you cannot take it with you. Do you realize that the God that we serve wants you to focus on the deep weighty things of this life? That there's more to life than just experiences and entertainment and having a good time. But there's, there's real deep issues of the soul that we've got to figure out and we've got to deal with. Some of you have kids right now, and I'll just be bluntly honest with you, that are dying and going to hell. Some of you have marriages right now that genuinely need Jesus. Jesus. Some of you are in here right now that need genuine healing and broken, and you're broken and you need forgiveness. But you can't see any of it because you're so focused on surface things that you think are going to bring you joy and happiness. You're distracted from the meaningful, weighty things of life. Because hyperreality doesn't think about guilt or shame or fear or confusion, or brokenness. It doesn't think about our brokenness or the world's brokenness. It wants to stay on the surface of things like cool, glamorous. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is the bread of life. In John 6, he says, don't work for food that perishes. he says, put your hope and your trust in me because I am the bread of life. I am the only way that you can have a life that lasts. Jesus is God's answer to a hyper real world that does not have the guts or the courage or the substance to ask the questions that need to be asked. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the answer to all of this and in him we have forgiveness. So maybe you've bought into that. Here's the crazy thing, in Christ, You can be set free. Everybody knows what Romans 8, 1 says. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? Our guilt is removed. Our shame is removed. And Jesus begins to be wisdom to guide us so that we don't have to live our life in confusion. He's help, and he offers help through the Holy Spirit when we're suffering, when we're going through trials, when we're in just seasons of life that we do not understand. Maybe you're in here this morning and you're broken. And maybe you don't realize it, but you're f- trying to find happiness and you're trying to find joy in the things that this world is selling you. Can, can I just be real honest with you? Maybe you're in here and... and and your marriage is broken. If you're trying to fix it by vacations and taking time off. And all of those things, it's not going to work. Because the only thing that is going to be the glue in that situation is Jesus. That's it. It's Jesus. Is you surrendering and submitting to whatever he wants to do in your life. Here's the crazy thing, because you can get distracted in the fact of, man, I'm just so busy at work, I need some time off, I need a vacation. I've just been working my butt off. And here's the crazy thing, is when you take the vacation, and you go back to work, like two days later, you're like, oh my God, I need another vacation. Right? Vacation is not going to fix anything. Because you find yourself right back in the same place. It's a submitted and surrendered life to Jesus. Here's why Jesus is the bread of life. Here's why Jesus is the life that lasts. He gives us the assurance that though we die, we will never perish. That though you may die here on this earth, which we all will, He will raise us again to live with Him forever. We have something bigger to live for than name brands and clothes and and, and shoes. We have something so much bigger to live for than the bill of goods that the world is selling us. Here's the thing that I love about Jesus. He frees us living for the world's good and unleashes us to live for the world's good. Jesus this morning invites you out of hyper reality and into God's reality of having Jesus as the bread of life. Consumerism says, I come to Jesus and he gives me what I want. I've got some desires, I've got some things that I need fulfilled. I'll go to Jesus and maybe he'll give them to me. That's treating Jesus as a means to your own end. Jesus is the end. We should be coming to Jesus saying, under this contingency, not of what you can get from him, but coming to him and saying, God, I'm broken. I'm broken, and I've tried everything that this world has to offer, and it just doesn't work. I've tried to fix my marriage, I've tried to fix my kids, I've tried to fix my relationship with my boss at work, and it just does not work. It's coming to Jesus realizing that you're broken and he's the only one that can fix you. Jesus is not the means to an end. He is the end. He is the end. I want to wrap it up with this one statement and this statement alone has really just been uh, convicting me a lot lately. And it says this, no matter what I've got to die to, or leave behind, no matter what I have to re- forsake and repent of, by any means, I want Jesus as my end. So I ask you the same question this morning. Maybe you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit by me talking through some of these things. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm, I'm caught up in this hyper real world. I'm caught off pursuing just surface stuff. The question is, what are you willing to do What are you going to do now? Are you going to walk out of here and just live the same life that you've been living? Many people are waiting for Jesus to just kind of like clap his hands and all of a sudden like everything just magically falls into place. What are you willing to leave behind? What are you willing to die to? What are you willing to give up in order to make Jesus your all? Because everything that this world has to offer is not worth it. And can I be honest with you? All throughout Scripture, Jesus' way of doing things is saying, You want to follow me? Give up everything. You want a full, content life that is full of joy, peace, and happiness? Give up everything. All the ideas that you have of what life should be, lay them at his feet and surrender to him and say, Jesus, is this is what you want for me. And if it's not, then I'm willing to give it up. I'm willing to give it up. If you're pursuing a life outside of Christ, one day it will end. But in Christ you will live forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray that this morning, God, you know... God, each and every person's heart in here. God, you know where they're struggling. God, you know where they're battling. God, I pray for those that have bought into this hyper real world, God, this false reality. God, that this morning that you would deliver them. God, that this morning only by your Holy Spirit, God, only by your conviction, God, God, they would be willing to do whatever it takes, God, to pursue you as they're all. God, we pray that this morning that you would set us free. God, that this morning that you would take the blinders off of our eyes. God, that you, you would help us to see that you are so much better than anything that we're trying to chase. God, would you be our end? God, help us to die to whatever we need to die to. God, I pray that these would be just so much more than words that we're hearing this morning, but God, that you would help us to walk out of here, God, with, God, just a passion. God, with a conviction that says, I'm not going to be the same.
1: God, I'll do whatever
0: it takes for you to be the end. In Jesus' name.